0: Hallmark of the Buddha's teaching is that it begins very much, what we call, it, on this shore, on the kind of perspectives that anyone who could be trained can already understand, recognise, and feel valuable in themselves already. So, if anyone who who can be trained would recognise the value of of virtue would recognize the value of generosity, I'd recognize the value of uh, some calming, calming down a bit calmness and steadiness, I'd recognize the value of uh, mindfulness of just sustaining bearing in mind, having a mind that doesn't jump and flitter from this to the other only uh, one. Uh, who could be trained would recognize the value of uh, goodwill. And would uh, have access to that to some degree. And this is, we might say, on this, this very shore. And so these things can be cultivated at pretty broad level of human society and experience, very secular domains, or people who are not particularly, right now, interested in anything further. But by cultivating this, the likelihood is that they would find themselves inclining further, inclining further, because they they got a little bit, you know, developed in terms of mindfulness, in terms of calming, in terms of goodwill. They oh, this is feels good, and they would see. Well, this area is also something that one should bear in mind and things would open up. And this quality of the furthering nature of the Dhamma is one of its features. It's likened to uh, the shore of a a sea where there's not a sudden drop-off but a gradual sloping. As you stand on it, it gradually slopes and inclines and it goes to vast depths. And The depths of this are called the deathless, unconditioned, nibbana, liberation or complete liberation, release, various uh, terms are used. Nibbana, the unbinding, the unconditioned, the deathless, something is removed. This is a hallmark of the Dhamma. It's removed because the mind is replenished, fulfilled, cleared, amplified. Not because the mind is removed. (laughs) Not because through aversion, not through amputation, not through surgery, not through blinkering, but through clearing uh, obscurations, ignorance, not seeing, not knowing, not realizing, not being in touch. Through the removal of these, there's the removal of. Um, sorrow, pain, lamentation, grief and despair, removal of dukkha, removal of craving and clinging, removal of ignorance, removal of death, binding, ongoing, and conditionality, the release from those. So, I've been reflecting a lot on these upper mana states, the, the Brahma Vihara, and they're called Brahmavihara because they're the abiding place of the sublime heart, Brahma-loka. Yeah. And the Buddha said one time in a previous life when he'd cultivated metta continually, he was reborn in the Brahma-loka for, I don't know, seven eons or something like that. <laughs> yeah. But... Uh, I'm using apamana because uh, even the Vihara is not the best place to stay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Apamana measureless. And uh, in this sense, um, the four measureless states are said to be doors to the deathless. Uh, one time the elder Ananda is being asked to talk about the way to the deathless and he said there's not one, there's eleven doors. And these are the four, uh, what we call, apamana, Brahma-vihara states, and in the four uh, Rupa-jhana, or jhanas, and three of the four immaterial states that can be accessed from fourth jhana. And the fourth is too refined. So the the um, criterion for opening that that door is that these conditioned states act as a basis for insight, and insight is what opens the door to the deathless. And these get you to the door, and the, these opens the door. You, insight, and the sense is that the fourth immaterial state the realm of neither perception or non-perception is just too refined to be able to get any insight on it because you just can't there's nothing to measure but these other states are measurable to the degree in which they're they're recognizable (coughs) Mm. they're measureless in boundary but they're certainly denotable as as having features characteristics it can be then be reviewed insightfully and seen. This is conditioned, this has arisen, this has been brought together. This is not self, this is impermanent. There is a release from that. Mm-hmm. So these four Brahma Vihara, these measureless upper manas states, and the four jhanas, should be enough to begin on with. You don't need to do them all. Trying to go through 11 doors at the same time could be a little bit schizoid, but so yeah, so it's just these cultivations. Mm-hmm. Uh, how is this? You know, how does this proceed? Mm-hmm. So, I'd also like to bring in the fourth of these states the upeka, something like evenness of heart, translated as equanimity but uh, you know evenness of heart heart is even not flustered not stressed not biased not subject to it whereas uh, heart can be uh, strongly biased towards avoiding blame and acquiring praise or not having either of them, <laughs> not having any praise or blame, just be left alone. That's still a bias. Uh, and then the, the upekar uh, the is unbiased. And praise, neutrality, blame, that's all part of the mix. Mm. Can you meet this mm. uh, without, with the unwavering heart? And for most people, frankly, the answer would probably be, well, no, don't like blame, like a bit of praise, but not too much, make me feel embarrassed, Um, (laughs) you know, things of this nature. So this means that these uh, qualities have to be strengthened, uh, fulfilled, enriched, made abundant. Why? Because if the heart is even, then we become much more uh, capable of meeting the range of experience, not shrinking from any aspect of it, not recoiling from aspects of it, not feverish for aspects of it. We become much more open and even about the nature of experience, which will always contain these tones, the negative tone, the positive tone, the neutral tones. Success, failure, gain and loss, happiness, unhappiness, praise, blame, sickness, health, so on. You know, all these dualities. This is the nature of the conditioned realm. So, can we meet that? Or can we recognize that's on the agenda if one wishes to cultivate and actually will lead to a very profound transformation of citta a profound transformation that will make one experience one's experience strong resolute untrammeled unbowed uh not cowed not craving free in this in this respect conditions And so on the condition level, meeting the world of duality, and diversities, differentiation, and uh, the strategies of the Buddha Dharma are first of all the ethical sense in which whatever, small or great, uh, attractive or unattractive, we uh, avoid harming it. It's a little bug or human being, rich or poor, and so forth. We avoid abusiveness towards that. So, this sense of the primal sympathy, the keynote to opening Dhamma, mm. you know, to really even entering the place of heart, to actually approach life from the heart is you have to touch this sense of primal sympathy, because this is what we're in. We're in an animate experience of an animate universe, which feels and responds and rushes and runs and trembles and attacks. We're in this experience. So there has to be this animate sense of primal sympathy, a primal sensitivity. And in Buddha Dharma, we're actually... That's our baseline, that's the entry point... There is birth, there is that which is born, mm-hmm. subject to this, and it's not just me. And so, you know, so just always coming back to that rather than to the abstract world of ideologies, even good ideologies, lose that primal sympathy. Even ideologies based upon primal sympathy and love lose it, as you can see, because... Uh, you know, religions that preach love are quite capable of, of, of murdering and slaughtering the unbelievers. So even our, our ideologies are one way in which we abstract from the animate condition. Uh, technology, another way we abstract. Mm. World in general is run to abstraction. Systems, structures, politics, nations. What are these things? What are these these experiences their abstractions mm-hmm. you know, there are no Americans they're just people living on this piece of earth in one, one level and yet one is bound to this and, and whatever that causes and we can see these abstractions themselves as the abstract qualities are quite capable and in fact um, do get uh, manipulated to the power domination one religion t- tries to fight another one get more believers get rid of the unbelievers one nation tries to conquer another one yeah. and, and you see the, 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 the uh, consuming quality of this because you think well that's pretty bad but then actually within one religion one sect fights another sect one group shuns another group of this who are not so pure and in nations, you see, that seems that is it, witnessing this horrific spectacle of the government waging war on its own people, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. using law and police and laws to to exclude, alienate. Uh, Suppress, take away, imprison, uh, reject, starve, undernourish its own people. Mm. And this is the, and we're all at the same time preaching ideologies of uh, freedom, justice, democracy, happiness, and this is great. And wow, this is how mad it gets. Where's the sympathy? Mm. so above all this is something that we must uh, consciously and firmly at least in our own minds and hearts repudiate the lure of any kind of abstractions ideologies and some of them are things called justice um, you see the amount of uh, revenge that gets caught is is authorized in the name of justice. It's just revenge. It's just hatred. Lock them up. Take away their rights. Kill them. They deserve it. Justice. Law and order. Yeah. yeah. And so forth. So we see that these abstractions are able to mask some pretty unwholesome intents. And this is very much a feature of our, our lives, our experience. a lot of fear in a society, a lot of fear in people, a lot of fear uh, of other people, of fear of the authority. Which will not be benevolent mm. by default he might be but it, by default it won't be that's that's the sense he must tremble before authority so and then we're, we're in this and there's also another and this deanimating is the influence of technology which deanimates our lives we we see virtual people um, Facebook, and often the truth, some of these media are often doctors, so you don't even see real people, biased, twisted, mass media. And again, you know, the amount of delusion, deceit, malice, you know, greed, that get stimulated through this medium. So these are very harmful influences. Clearly, There must be something good about them. (laughs) They do help, they do generate a collective uh, sense. But you you see this thing is easily taken over by uh, harmful forces. So it's generating a sense of primal sympathy in order to be Dhamma practitioners at all, not to have ideologies about Buddhism or schools of Buddhism, or jhanas, or insight, or this is the only way, you know. It's just, no, this is, this is not the way. <laughs> and don't do it to oneself. You know, we get cowed by systems and structures, and techniques and ideas. And don't do it to yourself to start where you are having fundamental sympathy and start to see where where does your intention feel light up and feel gives you a little bit of confidence actually begins to you know fill you up a bit fill you, give you some ground give you some oh, yeah, I can do this rather than oh, I can't possibly do that and so this sense of faith arising. And face and we get sense mm-hmm. cultivating these uh, four measureless states, the Brahma and Vihara, in in this respect we begin to sense, you know, well the potential for goodwill is exciting, is interesting. Is yeah, I'm I'm am I'm quite that sounds right. I feel I'm lit I'm I have some faith in that potential, any human beings, to cultivate that. And uh, to others, I feel this is right and good. And therefore, one picks it up, one starts to have faith in that and feel confident in it and make an effort, an energy extended, inclination of energy in that course. So we get the faith, the energy, and then you begin to firm it up. This is something I really want to sustain as a frame of reference to myself, my body, my people, my friends, my animals, or even people I don't like so much, at least to not to 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 check the aversion or the fear or the or the grudging or the begrudging, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so this Affirming it, mindfulness, frame it up as a frame of reference. How am I doing today? Looks like it wavered there. Okay, what went wrong? Bring back the sympathy. Check out what defilement took over. Fear, jealousy, uh, sorrow, uh, harshness, indifference, abstraction. Essentially, it's just a name. It's just my boss or the gardener or the grocer or the policeman, you know, it's just a name and a number not a human sentient sensitivity, that's how it took over I lost touch with that ah, right now aware of that, return it how would it be like to be them imagine if I was that let play these things through and you begin to sense oh beings are heirs to their karma hmm You know, she's like that through causes and conditions. I'm like this through causes and conditions. One experiences some sympathy and a lessening of the finger pointing. So, this thing becomes a base where one can firm it up and be collected in it, so it gets a sense of samadhi. Uh, strengthening, firming up, unifying the mind around that. And with wisdom, one begins to see and discern its presence, its absence, its results. This lessens stress, lessens the stress, mm. lessens the suffering. If I'd hung on to that grudge and felt she needs to be punished and blamed and lock her up or something. If I'd held on to that with revenge, mm-hmm. then my mind would have been stressed, biased, twisted. Mm-hmm. It would only only be relieved by causing her stress, by seeing her in prison, locked away, humiliated. I'm favouring suffering. No. This quality of the metta, karuna, mudita, peka, this eliminates that. Everyone begins to realize the value of, of these qualities and meditates on them, reflects upon them, thinks them through. You don't have to be that deeply into samadhi to cultivate these. You can just consider it, think it through and begin to recognize, yeah, and then also you begin to see there's pieces that, although I know I shouldn't have a grudge, I do. Mm. <laughs> although I should forgive her, actually I, I'm trying to, I, I don't really. <laughs> and then we know, ah, this is because this, you have to go deeper for this. Mm. And so this or it encourages us then to go more deeply and fully into, into those practices see where is the pain in the heart how does that occur Mm -hmm. you want to forgive someone that you haven't been able to forgive my recommendation is you just go to the painful feeling in the heart and have a lot of kindness and Compassion and equanimity. It means it's like this. And it's just like, it's just, one. it couldn't be any other way. It's like this. Beings, you know, there's sensitivity. Beings are confused. These things happen. It's like this. And then resonating these right at that place where the heart and equanimity towards the heart itself. The heart is a sensitive system. It does get hurt. If it wasn't hurt by him, it would be hurt by her <laughs> or them. By the absence of something or the presence of something. Or the you know it's going to get hurt by something. Uh, that's that's the nature of the conditioned heart. So equanimity. Evenness of mind. We, we drop the story of who and why and when and what they should or shouldn't and what I didn't need or could have been. And just feel Feeling is feeling. Feeling is doing what feeling does. Why push against it? Why not just let it be there? And then, then you the somatic basis you've got a strong strengthening capacity to just bear presence in the face of unpleasant feeling and let it radiate through the body the body will be able to discharge it whereas the conditioned heart will tend to reverberate around it and get flustered and agitated by it. So, realising you know, one must learn to meet painful feeling because it will be there. If I only favor p- pleasant feeling, my life is going to be pretty busy scurrying around, ducking, and, and burrowing into this, that, and the other to avoid the embarrassment, the anxiety, the awkwardness, the boredom, uh, the, the sense of apprehension. It's going to be a pretty busy, frantic life. This is stressful. Instead, on in the long run, let me gradually incline towards being able to be, to be present with unpleasant mental, psychological feeling, and you won't have to wait long. If you if you, if you <laughs> take you make that consideration, you will not have to wait very long at all, because <laughs> there'll be the feeling of why well, stupid idiot why didn't I do this earlier. <laughs> Perceptions arise, don't they? The perception of myself arises as the one of the first perceptions that arises in in the chitta as it as it settles into something. It seeks orientation, right? And whenever the chitta sort of is even lightly unhooked from from flowing on to this third, so it's lightly unhooked, it seeks orientation. It normally finds orientation in the stream of events. I'm doing this and doing that, and this and that, and this and that, and this and that. And you stop that. Where does it find orientation? Where does it find a sense of of ground? Me, <laughs> right? And you, me is the person, right? That's the experience of it. Me as the person. Then, well, look. What's in the bag? The old person bag. Person bag is basically unsatisfactory. It's got memories it's got opinions it's got an image of itself it's it's this that and the other it's an unsatisfactory condition the person only you know we only manage to anesthetize it by running enough things through it The person itself is a rather un- unsatisfactory not necessarily miserable but just restless incomplete rocky unfulfilled experience it doesn't do more than that. It's not you, particularly, it's everybody. That's the nature of the person pack. It's called the Sakaya. So when you're in that for just a few microseconds. Oh, this isn't very good. <laughs> and then here it comes, you know, the memories, the, <laughs> the images. If only I should and what would I would be and how can I ever and then da 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 and then there's shimmerings of uncertainty, just sometimes not even verbal, just the, well where am I? What am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to be doing? Am I okay? Is it am I really right right? Murmurings. And how long is this gonna go on for? Anxiety starts to tremble. That's the nature of the person pack. Like you know, it's like a three wheeled cart, it just doesn't so you know then our meditation really is about on many levels meeting these waves of intentions and perceptions and mental effects as they arise and there are certain you know strategies around that aren't there calming steadying, soothing, bring it into the body, slow it down, calm the mental voices so the infliction of, of perceptions, of memories, of messages, mm. of signs, of images of oneself and others, and the narratives, so that could reduce that would be more comfortable. If the, what I should be and ought to be and never will be, and, should, and if that could reduce, would well, be less suffering. Reducing perceptual input, Recognize you, as you cultivate with that, you begin to realise well. So much of this self and and suffering and stress is caused, conditioned by perception perceptions, the future, past, self and other, and all the complications of that. What will be? What should I be? What was I? Who was I? Why was I? When will he? What if they do? uh, All that. These, where are they? They are perceptions. This is the perceptual realm. And the person, person pack, constantly... Seeks and even stimulates that that realm because that's that's the realm it travels in. That's the realm that gave it birth. The person pack is a is a structure that's that's conditioned by immersion in the sensual and social and familial workaday world. You, the personality c- develops through immersion of the chitta in that atmosphere of future, past, self and other. Right? Should be, ought to be, could be, would be uh, will be, must be better get there, wasn't he's better she's got the right thing follow her do what they do. That's that's the person pack isn't it? Mm-hmm. So it's always uh, when we un- I mean, this is what we come into and really you know with some wisdom just looking directly in yourself where is this can you say it doesn't exist no but where where is it, it you say it's in my mind it's really incredibly powerful mirages Aren't they can does a mirage not exist no it's caused and conditioned isn't it and it's, these are much more potent and powerful than that they carry because they carry all the intensity uh, of chitta fragmented into this personal realm fragmented broken up into future past me and you, all the potential feeling, quality, tonalities, mood tones, atmospheres of jitter are sent out, broken up into this mosaic. Right. So it carries all the potencies of the, of the heart, with tremendous potencies of surges of fear and anxiety and craving and love and affection and grief and loss, all saturates into this incredible mosaic, dynamic mosaic, in which the person dwells, trying to find her or his way to the end of suffering. It's not going to happen. In meditation, we're often very much meeting that perceptual realm and the calming sense is just... The wisdom sense is... See if you, does this make sense to you? least is an idea? This has got some... Seems Actually, that sounds quite feasible. <laughs> and then calming it. And then beginning to generate more happy perceptions. Skillful perceptions. You know? Gladdening the heart. With recollections of gratitude, of kindness, of skillful things that have occurred, that you've seen occurring, that touch your heart, or that you have done. Participated in. And this is definitely a cultivation of skillful perception, and perceptions of light, perceptions of space, perceptions of Buddha, Dhamma Sangha, perceptions of death. Help to sober the intoxicated citta perception of space the, the trammelled, compressed citta really likes space, perception of space mm. perception of unattractive, uh, the lust-bound citta so they, they use perceptions in this way mm. and, and so clearly you know, the whole focus on these Brahma Vihara Upamana states is to do with perceptions that stimulate intention, and intention that begins to reconfigure perceptions. These mm-hmm. two working together, perception and intention. That is, having perceived, having remembered. Uh, being treated well, being treated with respect, being treated kindly. Uh, my heart is touched by that. I feel that trembling of, of, of gratitude and warmth. And I also feel I would like to uh, sense what that is. And my chitta picks that, that quality up and starts to resonate with it and bring it forth. Or, alternatively, I see a being who I do feel already that perception of, of of warmth and, and good-heartedness towards, I open up to um, bringing that into my chitta. I begin to dispel this sense of gloom and hopelessness in my mind, I don't need that mm-hmm. perceptions associated with compassion mm-hmm. Either I've seen experienced beings who saw me in my misery or plight or sickness and inclined towards that, to offer support listening to, mm. pleased to be with, eager to be with, I was deeply touched by that. And that sense of, Chitta remembers that, that he can do that, he can, that nerve can, can light up, and then we also feel pretty much more empowered to bring that quality forth. It's more or less reflexive, you hardly have to think about it. If you see the sign of the suffering in another being through the animated animate condition, not just as a number or a name or whether they're good or deserve it <laughs> or their nationality or whatever, whether you like whether they look. If you touch the animate sympathy nerve and you see their plight, I, I don't see how your heart couldn't open with compassion. It just seems to be... Not the way the chitta works. Unless you're severely distorted or maddened, where well, you probably wouldn't recognise, wouldn't have that primary sympathy in the first place. The gladness, the sense of recognising uh, the um, the good, and feeling appreciative of that good fortune. It's good fortune to have met this being, these people. That's definitely. Didn't have to happen, it did. Wow. Mm. And this sense of it helps to alleviate taking things for granted. We recognize a day or a moment of when the good has come my way, whether it's my ability to breathe, or I have good health or to be sheltered. You know, just a very mundane level. This is good. It could have been a... I didn't have to have this. This is good fortune. Mm. The joy that comes from that. The the alleviation of misery. I remember a monk who had this bladder cancer, and he had to have his bladder taken out, and bit of his intestines cut out and reformed to form a new uh, this bit of intestine had to learn how to be a bladder because they had to form the new bladder out of a piece of his own tissues to for the body to accept it so they cut a bit of intestines and made it into a bladder of course the intestine didn't know at first how to be a bladder (laughs) it couldn't read and it didn't understand so it didn't work very well (laughs) for quite a while and he said. Then after a while, he said, "Oh, oh, just the ability, oh, the ability to urinate without pain. I was just so happy, <laughs> <laughs> you know, to just be able to retra- retain urine and then then let it pass without misery." He said, "This this was joy, <laughs> and something we kind of take for granted, isn't you know? it?" So you see this, this any, any sense of diminution of stress or pain in yourself or in another, you realize, wow, she doesn't have that. That's, that's, that must be good, how lovely. And what well, these, these mudita particularly, very powerful uh, movement, as with compassion, it's starting to cross the self-other line, isn't it? With compassion we move, we meant to be basically open the heart with a sense that jitta comes forth to touch another with its own qualities of openness and goodwill with karuna we're beginning to see well he's in a bad state there's a difference between us let me overcome that difference by sharing in his bad state by meeting it Yeah. see you're coming over the self other boundary I think compassion is not patronizing it's not like, well, you're such a pathetic person, I'll help you out. But no, oh, wow, that's a pain. Oh, yeah, I feel what that, I get some sense of what that would be like. I want to get closer to that, to share my presence. Mudita, doing that with the glad, the, the fortunate. Mm-hmm. You, know, the, the, you overcome, it doesn't, no longer so important who's, welfare it is because just to see the sign of welfare of someone getting a, a uplift and relief and is self gladdening. Somebody got out of jail. Somebody got cured. The oh, heart lift. It's not that difficult, is it, if you tune in and, and develop those perceptions. And equanimity is much more broader than that. It's uh, in fact, it's most, sometimes most mysterious of these. It sounds indifferent. It's not indifferent. It's an emotional sensitivity to, let me just stay with this no matter what, up or down, I'll receive it. Whether she's up or down, confused, lost, bouncy, joyful, playful or whatever, I'll stay with it with sympathy. And let the weather change. I'm not I'm not giving up. That sense of a deep trust and empathy person, you know. Evenness of mind. I'm not just going to want her to be happy all the time. Put that pressure on her. <laughs> or get results, you know. Mm. No, it doesn't matter if it doesn't progress at all because that's, that's, you know, otherwise you get pressure, there's stress you know, trying to pressurize people into getting enlightened or doing good or developing no, that's pressure, stop the pressure it doesn't work like that and none of us just speed straight ahead on a straight line we all zigzag and park and stall and go backwards and forwards and up and down <laughs> And you know, dawdle and get stuck. If uh, only getting frustrated isn't going to help it at all. It just okay. Well, just bear with that, with with sense of evenness of mind to receive that. And this is in itself is helpful because it just takes that inferred pressure. And the, the person is probably putting themselves under pressure to try to progress and me not be so stuck and not be so stupid and reactive no, no, that's not the way to do it you're not embracing yourself with a, with a mind of equanimity you're putting pressure on yourself that's not the way to do it mm. what well, is very vast and rich quality that allows process in oneself and in others These are fabulous uh, cultivations. And the root of it, and then towards oneself, can we practice just imagining, uh, bearing in mind, and maybe it's true, other people open their hearts to me, are actually interested in my welfare, would be happy if I was happy would feel compassion rather than blame if I made a mistake, would be eager to help me get over it rather than beat me down and take revenge, shut me out and exclude me. Other people would welcome my presence rather than thinking, oh, it's her again. (laughs) Oh, well, be polite, put up with it. (laughs) You know? Other people would not be seeing me as as a burden on their mind. Could you just consider that? Because this is the nature of citta. It does rejoice in the absence of stress and stressing and differentiation and separateness. It does rejoice in that. It seeks harmony. Could you help me in that? By, you know, rather than be seen as an obstacle to that. Cultivate it like this. Other people would trust me to be with where I am. Give me that. Give me that space. So these are really deep, uh, you know, transforming one's psychology uh, through these skillful perceptions. Much can be done with this. I think much should be done in this respect. To begin then with insight, you begin to sense, let's have really look at the structure of this thing. There's a perception, and a feeling, and an intention, and a person. This seems to be the the, the things that keep getting in this. There's a perception, an imagination, a memory, a fashioning, an interpretation that occurs, right? There's a certain feeling with that, pleasant, disagreeable. And there's a, a kind of response to that, which is we call it, this is chitana, volition, which means to defend, to grab, to run, to to take in. Some kind of volitional quality gets stimulated by that perception. I right? to, to defend oneself, to blame another, to feel bad, you know, inflicted upon oneself, you know. Some we not really happy I'll I'll punish myself for that. She's not very happy. I get the perception she's not happy. I'll blame, I'll blame myself for that. And this is not a fashion, not a constructive thing, just reflex. The arrow goes this way. Or it goes that way. It either goes to oneself or to another. And very often, uh, it goes into oneself. It's my fault. I should be something other than that and this. I should be able to manage this. I should be able to make her happy. I should make, I have to make everybody happy. Yes, everybody. <laughs> Even when, you sound, you, when you hear this, you think, you must be out of your tiny little mind. And yet, this is not a rational process. <laughs> I don't want anybody to feel disappointed. Not have their needs met. Well, you're going to be Pretty busy doing that, and then the likelihood is you're always taking over and telling me what to do. <laughs> you're so bossy. <laughs> I want to be miserable. with my right. <laughs> Leave me be. You know, uh, whatever. But uh, this sense in which the, this this volitional tendency just does this stuff, and you get beings who feel. Their volitional tendencies to feel responsible for everything that arises in their perceptual field that's marked as another person. It's called another person. they feel responsible for it to make it okay. They feel that perception when it arises, this per I, I do this, I feel responsible. To make it okay. What, why? <laughs> where, where, where's that knee-jerk come from? Why do I think I can? Why do I think I should? There's sympathy there. But could that sympathy just say, oh, she doesn't look so happy. Mm. I receive that. I do feel sympathy. Is something I could do, or not do, or open to, or not open to? This is where equanimity becomes very important. Looks like it's not an opening now. Okay, I'll bear it in mind. Or, this is beyond my range. I'd love to help, but I can't. That's not, you know, I'm not God. It's equanimity. But it doesn't mean, oh, well, well, casual shrug. And then one, one looks for the opening, and if that's not there, there's a certain humility to it. This is as far as it goes on the condition level. when these signs uh, we work with perception and intention the volitional twitch that occurs when perception lands if you begin to pause around those just micro pause between the perception landing and the intention and specifically the, the general creating a person out of that, either this person here or that person there the obliged person or the needy person or the stupid person or the wise person, Just check that and get some spaces in those. This is what insight does, it starts to separate the fibers of experience into its constituent factors. That's it. Now there is a, actually, there can't be a tad of space between the perception and the intention. It could be a micro space. Is that what unbinding means? You unhook, uncondition. Is it that? Were you uncondition what was immediately conditioned? Is the unconditioned that, <laughs> but cultivated? If there's just these five aggregates, where else is it? Apart from within this, within the linkage of this, Where else could it be? If we just, all our experience is just the five aggregates, where in this does the uncondition? Through unconditioning these primary hooks, links, then there's a possibility between perception and intention. And when we deliberately cultivate an intention that resists the reactive intention, reactive reflex, Blame, defense. Blame, counter-blame. Blame, Blame, run. Blame, listen. Pause, sympathize. Assess what's appropriate. We uncondition a reflex, don't we? We may respond in accordance with where there's the possibility to respond. Unconditioning. And you know, we come into this, we frame that up with mindfulness, and then in our call, loosely speaking, our inner world, yeah you know, as we come into our self-pack, our person pack, when we meditate, we begin to cultivate this way with the perceptions that arise. Mm-hmm. It starts with the verbalized ones, the memories, the voices. And that quietens down, you come to the emotional shifts of don't feel so good, don't feel so well, don't feel bright, don't feel this. Don't follow that. So the mind begins to unify because the intention of detachment, the intention of widening and embracing becomes almost like a, a muscle it keeps opening and strengthening the mind, the citta, against the push of perceptions and feelings. It keeps opening and winding into the, the samadhi, using the somatic field, because that's, that's the advantage of it. To widen and open and steady your citta within that field against the flow, the fluctuations of perceptions and feelings. And particularly helpful when when it's non-verbal, you get less narrative. It's just a sense of disorder, contraction, not complete, unbalanced, widening and softening and strengthening, until the nature of jitta is it picks up. The dominant faculty is what it picks up and resonates with. If your dominant faculty is associated with calm and steadiness and kindness, that's the thing it picks up to the extent to which other features are not getting in. That's the Samadhi strategy. You basically span so this other stuff doesn't get the, the airtime. It doesn't get... So you've begun to kind of clarify and unify into something more uh, broader span. And we're taking this as we see in the development of jhana, we're coming down through sort of pleasant to equanimous is the fourth jhana, the abiding state, equanimity, evenness. It's a very spread, very open, very wide field. Body has disappeared as a physical entity, we're just in a very wide, expansive, refined embodiment, evenly spread. This may not be something that we have access to right now. Hmm? But you can get a sense of what's being affected there, that when you understand that the way that systems the system works, if you've got to put the person pack to one side, yeah, and interpret the feelings, the perceptions, the moods, the emotions as they are. You check the reactive ones as best you can. Micro pauses. You counteract with goodwill or soothing or whatever, you know. I mean, counteract not in a kind of aggressive way but just in a way that doesn't partake of the afflictive sign in oneself or in others or however you experience it. And you steady and unify around that. That that intent. And this is as far as it goes in samadhi. Yeah. And so and the Buddha said, so, you know, you can cultivate this way out to these incredible domains, from this level of equanimity to these very spacious open domains. He says, this, this is as far as it goes. But and it said one with insight you recognise all this texture, subtle, refined texture. This has been brought into being, hasn't it? It's been cultivated. Whatever is cultivated is conditioned, not self. Not an ultimate state. Seeing this there's the release of clinging to it this is the unconditioned so the fibres the textures of the mind are mollified opened made bright made malleable made extremely pertinent for operating the conditioned realm either the social realm or just the meditative realm so that upon that one feels the sense of the, the citta now is very fine and steady and it, it's really begun to understand how to operate these things and it realises operating this stuff is still a condition. Why don't I just stop doing that? And then the descent it's called a descent into the unconditioned. Descent is like something drops into unconditioned. Mm-hmm. So there's These qualities cultivated can can begin to recognize there is a door. I suggest it's the door that stands between perception and volition. I would suggest that that handle can be turned and and pressed and leaned upon. I would suggest that door can open. I would suggest there can be a release through that door. Equanimity is as far as you can take it, the least trammeled, the most steady, the least stress that you can accomplish on the emotional plane. It covers the broadest series of events, the broadest level of circumstances, and death, bereavement, ecstasy, delight, the whole lot. And it just, mm-hmm. <laughs> room for that too. That's, it doesn't get any further than that, and then there's a the recognition this is just the mind, there's a release from that. So, I'll offer this for your reflection.